I gotta keep going. No, it's all good. It's like practice it. makes like perfect, right? Exactly. You're entering a realm which is unusual. Maybe it's magic or contains some kind of monster. The second one. Prepare to enter. Welcome to the world of tomorrow. Good, 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 good news, everyone. Welcome, everybody, to the world of tomorrow. Hello. I'm Willie. And I am Danny Edit. Okay, I'm going to skip <laughs> over that one. and uh, <laughs> That's how you pronounce my name. That is a perfectly executed, perfect pronunciation of how I was taught to say my name in Japanese. Okay, guys, I, uh, this, this week's robot model uh, is malfunctioning, <laughs> and I, uh, I think I need to go back and work on some of the software integrations. I think, I think this week's robot model is just way too sophisticated for you because it's got heightened Japanese technology from the good people at Sony. And okay, don't bring my or... partnership with Sony into this. Billy Tech <laughs> has always had a long-standing <laughs> and good relationship with Sony, the good people at Sony. <laughs> <laughs> the good people at Tacos 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 Tacos. <laughs> <laughs> a reference to Reno 911 for those of you who don't know Dangle. Our favorite Oh, Dangle. oh my god. Yes. And uh, Tom, uh, what's his name? Tom. Do you know the actor? Oh, Tom, Tom Lennon. Thomas Lennon. Tom Thomas Lennon. Yes, Thomas Lennon. I follow him and he's like hilarious. Um uh and because I follow him um I only better than see everybody else. Clips, uh, oh, well, that's a given. But I always see clips of the new fucking uh, Paramount Plus. Oh, yeah. I do want to watch that. Hunt for QAnon movie. I do yeah, it looks so good. Well, this is a Futurama-centric podcast. Maybe we'll spin off okay. into a Reno 911 podcast eventually. Um, but welcome, oh, everybody, yeah. to to the this week's episode. Today, we're going to cover Season 1, Episode 7, My Three Sons. Um can you not hear me anymore, PD? I got I got you out of one ear ear, ear pod. It's just it sounds like you're right on my shoulder. I'll, I'll I'm right here, you. Peter. I'm right here. <laughs> you, per usual, carry this podcast on your back, baby. Oh hell yeah! Uh, well, sorry guys, uh, Daniel is having some technical difficulties, but it uh, looks like we're back on track. Um, so yeah, yeah, we're doing my three sons. Um, overall, I think. Daniel Nye's take is like, it's an okay episode. Obviously, we'll get into the rating at the end, but in terms of us, how excited we were going into this one, not the top of the meters, not the bottom of the meters either. So uh, yeah. we can uh, we can jump right into uh, to good news, everyone. Good news, everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Ahead, um, uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's rip that bandage off, baby. Um, so I know, good news always hurts. Is my brother's coming to visit? I'm I'm very happy. I'm very excited. He uh, hasn't been down here to visit I think since uh, like probably 2018, maybe. maybe even wow. 2018. No, 2018, 2019. Yeah. Wait, did your so, uh, microphone switch back? No. It sounds like did it, it did. Well, gosh, I think your it. AirPods are uh, they have a mind of their own. Uh, well, see. There it is. W- um, uh, Willie Tech. Billy, Billy Tech. Billy Tech. Yeah. I told you that there was some software integration issues. Integration issues. Uh, I'm definitely going to be writing, or leaving a mean glass door review as a technical product slash employee. Okay, well that's <laughs> fair. I can't stop you there. I am pro union <laughs> at Billy Tech, so 
Oh, good, good, good. Well, God. and of course, Speaking I make which, all the robots that I make work for me after I make them. <laughs> so, Daniel, like, just like the Danny Duber, uh, Danny and Daniel San are I, all uh, <laughs> are all uh, employees now. <laughs> That's correct. Well, you know what? This is also a very interesting Futurama arc, right? Because we go from robots as tools in the first season where we just talked about this recently that Bender, you know, is like robots are people. Mm -hmm. And you kind of have that whole arc of them like, you know, becoming like not just unionized, but like when um, uh, fuck, what episode is that? They're like uh, all on the island, on the Galapagos Islands and the Earth needs to push itself uh, out. Of yeah. So they have like the it's the big party where they're going to assassinate all the robots, but then they end up using the robots to push the earth to a slightly further out orbit. <laughs> my favorite fucking line. And I know we'll get there. We're getting out of ourselves. My favorite fucking line from that is, um, the like 1960s vending cigarette machine. And everyone's running around like, we're all going to die. We're all going to die. And he goes, Nixon's not coming back with the smokes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God! What a well, nice anyway, time. you were uh, anyway audio switched over. You were just getting into uh, your good news. Yes, yes, yes. My brother's coming. Uh, we've got tickets to Alcatraz on Sunday, which I have never. I've been lived here for seven and a half years. Never have I ever ridden a cable car, and I've lived on cable car tracks for the last six, five and a half years, six years, six years now, and never have I ever been to Alcatraz. And popping one of my cherries. This Sunday. I'm actually well, congratulations. I know you've wanted to pop that Alcatraz cherry for a while now. <laughs> uh, I went to Alcatraz when we did like a family vacation out here when I was like 12. Uh, we went to Alcatraz. It was spooky. Um, spooky. It's a little underwhelming. I think there's an element of the Mona Lisa, you know, where you're like expecting oh. the you're expecting like the most insane prison ever. At least when I was twelve, obviously, yeah. you might have more measured expectations now that you're an adult. But you know, it's like no. people say the Mona no. Lisa is just like small when you go there because it's like it is. It's like an eight and a half by eleven. Oh yeah, you it's, saw it when when you when you said that. That was so apropos. I was like, oh, that's a hundred. You're like expecting it to be this like because the thing is, you walk in and these these paintings are the size of my fucking room around it. Like they're huge. They're like like. 15 feet tall, 30 feet wide, like yeah, you got a big room, like, baby. God touching. Yeah. It's like this huge room. And then there's like a fucking postage stamp on the, on the wall and it's Mona Lisa. And you're like, Jesus Christ, I flew to fucking France for this. So disappointing. No. But no, to, to my point about your expectations, my expectations have not lowered since I've been an adult. If anything, they've been heightened. I want a curmudgeonly prospector ghost Scooby-Doo esque style. I want Al Capone to be living and breathing there to greet me and like, yeah, shame. like with the Tommy gun. Good. Yeah. I want well, those like, are there. I did see those. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I have read, those. I have read in the SF Chronicle that uh, all the ghosts are vaccinated and boosted and they wear mm. masks. So you have nothing to worry about as far as ghost Rona goes. They are boosted and ready to get spooksted. Mm. We'll workshop that one. <laughs> <laughs> knew that was going to play maybe 10%. Um, uh, well, that's my good news. I'm, I'm very excited. How about, uh, how well, about yourself? Well, Petey, my good news was a little bit of good news for both of us. Uh, <laughs> because I would love to announce to everybody and make it more official. As of this taping, we are live on anchor.fm slash world of tomorrow. We are live on Apple. We are live on Google. We are live on Stitcher. You can hit up any of those platforms and you will find this podcast. Obviously, if 
I realized as I brought this up that if you're listening to this, which is episode seven, you would have already listened to episode one. But just giving you guys a peek behind the curtain. You know what? Fuck it. We're happy. And we we're can excited. Always, you know what? This is this is PD and I's first adventure in this. Um, you know, as as two 30-year-old white men, it's important that we start a podcast. That's a, obviously a rite of passage for every white guy out there. That's um, true. They don't know. They, I mean, do been, people listening? Do you? I mean, I sound fucking super gay and white, but like, do we sound? Do you think we sound? We like definitely white? sound white. I can guarantee that. I if if my girlfriend was in the room, my girlfriend is black. If she was in the room, she would laugh and then say, "Yes, you guys sound white." <laughs> <laughs> also, this is a Futurama podcast, so I'm guessing are the yes, yeah, so we are the main probably yeah, I guess if you're searching for Futurama podcasts uh, somewhere, then you're probably expecting it to be a couple of white guys. Two if things. you're lucky, you get like a, a lady in there. Um, but, yeah. you know, if you're that's if you're lucky. Me, and otherwise, you end up with us. If you're searching for Futurama podcasts, there are two things I know about you. Number one, well, three. Number one, you're white. Number two, you're most likely male. And number three, your virginity is solidly intact. Oh, <laughs> it's preserved. It's pristine. <laughs> It is a head and a fucking jar. <laughs> it's perfectly preserved. So anyway, we are really excited to have this stuff live. We're kind of figuring out all the logistics of this as we go, but that's yes. really exciting. So that's my good news. Um, so let's jump into the recap. So this um, this episode basically, um, I feel like there are some good gags in this episode, but mm-hmm. um, it doesn't have the most mind-blowing kind of arc um, so really we kind of start out, um, and we, this is the first episode, uh, well, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to get to this part when we jump into our little items. So okay. the overarching arc is that the delivery team is sent to a planet that is in, um, a, what is it? The galaxy of terror in the yes. forbidden zone. Um, right. and it's basically a planet with three suns. Hence the Called Trisol. Yeah, hence, on the nose, yeah like. hence the name of the episode as well, My Three Sons. Um, and basically they go and Fry is given the task to deliver it. And he's sort of walking through this desert planet and he gets very dehydrated. So when he shows up, he sees this beautiful gl- bottle of water and he drinks it as he's dropping off the, 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 the package for the emperor of the planet. Little does he know, he just drank the emperor because this is a planet. Gilly. Of water people. Um, so it's really about Fry becoming the emperor and some hijinks around that. Um, and kind of going back to the beginning, this is really the first time we see one of a, a quality character who's not really like, I would say like one of those ones like Morbo where he doesn't really have his own, there's no real development of him he's, over time. He's ancillary. I would he's call ancillary, him. but he is good. And in like, I think a valuable addition. It's none other than mm-hmm. Elzar, who of course is a parody of um, famous early 2000s chef Emeril Lagasse. Emeril Lagasse. Whose son uh, is now following in his footsteps, by the way. Sapphire Lagasse. <laughs> uh, Ruby Lagasse. I was going to say Ruby and I was like, Topaz oh, Lagasse. Emeril Lagasse. Oh, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> I just put the precious stone joke together. Wow! Oh my glorb! Okay. This is what I'm working with, people. <laughs> Poor guy <laughs> needs a reboot over here. Um, so yeah, it's Elzar, and of course, Elzar is Neptunian, 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 um, and uh, he brings in his all the sort of famous emerald uh, 
references like saying bam mm -hmm. um but uh so yeah this is kind of also where we get one of those seeds planted for uh for bender in which we find out that like even though he's a robot bender loves the loves cooking um we had another one of these in one of the first episodes i guess episode two i think where bender touches a magnet and we find out mm, yes. that he has this like love for like folk music um both of these bender things come into play in later seasons so um, mm -hmm. this really is like an early establishment that like the first time I watched through the show, I was like, I did not remember this. You know, I didn't remember that Bender had this like longstanding thing. And yeah, so they the, do a good job of kind of planting it, not talk about it for a while and then bring it back. Yeah. The showrunners do a really good job. I, I wonder, and because I feel like, you know, once we get, uh, once we get big and we have Billy West on and he can answer all of our of questions, um, I wonder if the the showrunners are like going back to old episodes to look for inspiration for new because a lot of shows do do that right like um, South oh, Park and The Simpsons point. like go back chronologically. I don't think they do it maybe on purpose, but they'll like notice things like oh hey, this is enough of a sub sub point to a plot that we can make a whole episode out of it or create a new interesting. Arc to it. Yeah, yeah, no, so, that makes perfect sense because you can always things that were what you thought was a one off joke. Later on, you can like make into a full arc, especially like for shows when you get into the later seasons, like you're saying, they tend to stop having obvious plot lines of like mm -hmm. a lot of sitcom tropes they'll go through. Um, I feel like Parks and Rec and The Office are really guilty of this, which is like, even though they both take place in a work setting, by the last season, like no one's doing any work and they're just right. doing adventures. And it's kind of like, okay. Um, but obviously Sunny does the same thing, but they do a very good job of calling it out. Like the, they do so yeah, many inappropriate things and call it out, but for, kind of fourth volley, but they're like, like, you know, Frank's always like, no, uh, that's what we do. We go on adventures and, and, and crazy stuff. We don't stay at the bar. And I'm like, Oh, as long as they're calling it. Yeah. It's kind of yeah. fourth volley. They kind of break it least, down. But I'm like, at least they reference it. It's not like you don't have to suspend your disbelief any longer. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. At least they're, they're self-aware of it. Um, mm. Yeah, I do enjoy that. Like Bender, Bender, um, basically Hermes chews him out for like being a lazy robot, and he's like, "What do you even do?" Um, and I love it because he's like, "All you do is sit on the couch all day." And Bender's like, "It's not even a good couch. Like there's even <laughs> pillows." And I love that power move of like you get called out in your uh, in like HR's office for doing something wrong, and then you immediately insult them back and say that like it's not whatever they're providing is not good enough. Um, I feel like that is like. Such a good power play that I wish I could pull off in HR because I'm typically very, you know, non-confrontational and yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel bad asking for things that I actually deserve, you know. And Bender obviously doesn't really deserve that much, but he's he he makes this power play and ends up getting hired as like the the company's ship, ship chef. Yeah, the ship cook. Ooh, ship chef. I like that. I'm gonna have to start using that as a vocal warm up. Ship, the ship chef. chef. The ship chef. Um, but so the other thing here is, is this is also our first introduction to uh, Neptunians. And I was trying to think, I was like, gosh, like, I feel like there's some other subplot with Neptunians. I forgot Santa's workshop is on Neptune. That's right. Right. And I was like, oh, yes, there is that whole like sub uh, or that whole idea like that Neptune exists. But Santa lives there and all the elves are just malnourished Neptunians. <laughs> they're supposed to be normal size, but they're actually just... Oh, right. They're, they're like short munchkin <laughs> right. size because they're just like malnourished by robot Santa. <laughs> yes. 
Robot Santa, yes, thank you. Um, but yeah, it's. I was thinking about that, and then I was like, okay, so we have Neptune and Mars are are two planets. We they never talk about Saturn except for I think they make a, a joke in one of the new seasons. I say new seasons that came out like eight years ago, seven years ago. One of the new seasons about uh, Saturn having so many moons. That's whatever. Uh, but do we hear about Pluto? Do we hear about Mercury? Oh, and Fry and Amy go to Mercury. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mercury uh, seems later. to be relatively uninhabited based on that yeah. episode. But I feel like there's so many other planets in the solar system they could have done more with. They have the joke about Uranus, your rectum, uh, Venus. Yeah, I feel like there's only a few planets they touch on when they could. That, that was kind of a missed opportunity. They could have, like, you know made a bunch of jokes about like Venus being a, you know, ocean or oceanic uh, planet and Pluto, like there's a whole trope because Pluto didn't, or Pluto lost its planethood while the the original seasons were airing. Oh, really? I thought it was after that. No, 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 no. It was like 2005, I believe. Damn. I thought we were at least in high school when that happened. No, I think we were in middle school. That was an enrichment with Mr. Dodrell. Ah, uh, 2000, oh, fuck. Okay, 2006, maybe I was in physics class. Okay, so we were, like, freshmen. Okay, yeah, so then it, it, it maybe it was, like, twelve. Okay, so I was right. <laughs> I was completely wrong. Okay, well, No, you weren't completely talk- wrong. You were only a year off, but that was the year that we switched from middle school to high school, so. I blame the celestial dwarf that is Pluto. Okay, well, that's anymore. fair. Yeah. Um, so they, they go to the store and they're trying to find, uh, they're the, the same type of slug that Elzar is cooking. So Bender can kind of like make a recipe or whatever. Um, and I love this because Fry keeps getting pulled into like a black market organ do- uh, dealer and he keeps yes. somehow like getting, like leaving Bender and Leela and like getting convinced that he needs some like augmented organ, like an x-ray eye. Um, that's really a Z-Ray eye. And the guy's like, yeah, if anything, Z-Ray is better. It's two better. more. <laughs> it's uh, which is just hilariously dumb logic that, of course, Fry would be like, makes sense to me. Um, <laughs> but I love that, like, after they're in the store, they, like, lose sight of Fry again. And he's talking to the organ donor or the organ, black market organ guy again. He's trying to sell Fry gills. Yeah, and he's, like, about he's to, like, like, operate on him. <laughs> and he's like, uh, I take lungs now, girls come in two weeks. And he's like, <laughs> all right. But I love this, like, this, the the um, uh, black market Slavic organ dealer because this is not, like, his uh, only appearance. He comes up in many different episodes. Oh, yeah. Whenever they're in a seedy part of New New York, I this feel like guy. he's always there. And he's doing the classic, and, like, trench coat thing of, like, opening a trench coat and having like, illicit goods like, yeah, like the 80s, like, open his trench coat, like, I got a Rolex for you, kid, like, $200, it's cheap. Did that ever really happen? I feel like that's, like, a thing that, like, we see all the time, we saw all the time growing up, but it's, like, where did that right. even come from, like, actually? That it ha- so the guy wears a trench coat and a top hat, so I'm guessing it's got to be from, like, the 50s. And or selling even watches the 30s or 40s, also. right? Yeah, 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 I feel like this is, like, a, like, noir, noir film where, like, you know, the that private dick is like with his uh, gal Friday and they're like going around and like they have to rough him up because he tries to offer him like cheap Rolexes and like, uh-huh. he's like, Hey pal, what's the big idea? Like that's just, that, that is the timeline where I see the, the origin of this coming. And then I also see the trope of like uh, alleyway, New York mischief of like the individual who has a 
fold out table with three cards and he moves them around. Oh, like, right. Like the, the hustler, the hustler. <laughs> the hustler. Yeah, exactly. That, that's really just a magic are... trick that's designed to scam you out of money. <laughs> <laughs> those two are on par in my mind. I, I think about those the same way as I think about the Slavic organ dealer. Um, Oh, the one line I love in this too is when when uh, Bender's buying the slugs. He's like, "I would like like one Neptunian slug." He's like, "Do you want yellow or purple?" And he's like, "I don't really care." And he's like, "Okay, well the purple one causes," and he calls it terrible nightmarish diarrhea, diarrhea. or um, perhaps ceaseless unhalting diarrhea, which made me think of our number one medication at Billy Tech, which is for a condition <laughs> known as ceaseless unhalting diarrhea. Correct, which of which I am uh, a victim frequently after uh, many a Philly cheesesteak that I refuse to stop eating. CUD is a serious condition uh, and, <laughs> and should be treated as such. Um, no, but it also reminded me when we were in Philly for Christmas, we were playing a lot of like board games and stuff, and we played um, like one of those Jackbox party pack things. Yeah, like, on, those uh, my too. brother's Switch. And one of the games, I'm blanking on the name, but it's basically one where you like people you get a prompt like there's like quiplash yes yes quiplash yeah. i love that game i don't that was the first time i played it but yeah so one of them was basically like someone was trying to write as the response to the uh, the prompt uh diarrhea but they spelled it wrong and they spelled it diarrhea it was like d-i-a-r-r-i-a -R -R -I -A or something um it was or maybe there was oh and then ended with an h i think it was like it was like you have all the letters; they're just like rearranged, kind of thing. Oh god! Um, yeah. And uh, we ended up using it as like a callback a couple times. Of like, I think yeah. I tried to I tried to horn, uh, shoehorn it in at one point. And it was like, um, what do you think? Like, man's first word was uh, like when he took a shit or something, and, and my response was <laughs> diarrhea. Diarrhea. <I> <laughs> we played it. Actually, we played it at Thanksgiving, and uh, my brother and his girlfriend are um, both doctors, so they have all doctor friends, which is annoying. <laughs> but was as a like, man of you know, science, you should appreciate doctors, though, right? I absolutely appreciate doctors. Only doctors of political do. science. Yes, <laughs> yes. As long as it's within the realm of political science and the College of Arts and Sciences, thank you. Uh, really, the only hard and true science. But we were so I was playing with a bunch of doctors, and so. Uh, the quiplash prompt was, uh, everybody wants to buy the men of blank calendar. And oh. so I'm like racking my brain. I'm like, oh, I got to come up with something medical. Da, 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 da. So everyone goes through theirs and it's their like, you know, weird, funny medical terms like the men of Giardia calendar. Da, da, da. So I, mine was the men of hospice calendar. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> That's pretty bleak. It, it was so dark. But from there That's on, you're like... <laughs> we like referenced it like 25 more times like the men of hospice calendar was like the motif of i the do like of the that <laughs> was, that's just a little there's many uh, directions that that could go too right exactly that's just a a little uh sneak peek into the blackness of my soul and the darkness of my humor <laughs> the emptiness and the void that is my heart correct um so yeah the they uh so we've got yeah so, ben, so basically they, they go, they end up getting their mission from, or first I try Bender's cooking and it's basically like not good. He puts like way too much salt um, and it's like almost kills everybody. Um, and the, the professor gives them their mission uh, and they fly to this planet. And um, like I mentioned, Fry is sort of tasked with just like delivering this note or this message that's for the, or package that's for the emperor. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and he travels all the way there on foot. He goes through a desert and we see him being all like all sweaty and hot. And so he, he finds this, it's like, it looks like a Coke, you know, like a classic glass Coke it looks, bottle. Let me just tell you, it looks, and I remember seeing this episode mm-hmm. when I was much younger, fucking delicious. It, it looks, looks like the so most drinkable. Good. It is sweating. It's yeah. got that perfect little golden cap on the top. The, the, the like color juxtaposition of like the, the, like, you know, that cartoony blue liquid with that golden, like, cap that comes off and you're mm-hmm. like you're sweaty and you're like oh my god this is just gonna quench me so hard but then quench me daddy it- <laughs> <laughs> quench me zaddy yes exactly what i thought when i saw this but then when he's drinking it it ruined it for me because I realized it's in a motherfucking glass bottle. You can't suck that thing down. You can't squeeze that plastic like you're trying to like, you know, get a fire hose into your gullet. Like you, okay, you, wait, you wait, know wait. when you suck down like a Coke out of the bottle and you get that weird like Tom Starkey esque like lip. Oh, like a turtle like, lip it, thing? Yeah, it does like that that kind of you're thing. Right, like right, it right. sucks. It ruins, you can't chug like that. I can't wow, wait. that's actually an interesting complaint. I did not think about it that way, but you're definitely right. Like, if you were really that thirsty, you couldn't drink it as fast as he does, albeit, it, you know, it's a cartoon, but like, I get your point. Okay, well, I do want to do, I do want to do a little, um, PD, join me on this mental exercise for the listeners, okay? okay? So everybody, um, I hope, find someone, if you're not sitting, please find a place to sit down, close your eyes. So imagine... You've been walking through the desert. I'm gonna put in in post. I'm gonna put in some ethereal music. Okay. Ooh, oh, oh okay. Like, like wind chimes a little bit. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let me. I need to write that down too, um, so I don't forget to do it. Um, <laughs> okay. Okay. So just sit down. Close your eyes. Take a couple deep breaths. Now imagine you're in a desert. The sun is beating down on the back of your neck. It's hot. Don't worry, you have sunscreen though. But it's still hot. Your clothes are soaked with your own sweat. You've been walking for hours. And then all of a sudden in the distance, you see a building. And you realize that's not, hey, wait a minute, that's not a mirage. That's a real building. You get closer and you get closer. There's a set of stairs and you walk all the way up them approach a large arched wooden door you walk through there's no there's nobody around there's a beautiful hall full of pillars and a red carpet that leads right up to a throne and sitting right next to that throne is a bottle of topo chico and it's glistening it's dripping with condensation and at that moment you realize how thirsty you truly are your throat is dry All the all of the moisture in your body has been released as sweat to try to cool you off. You're so thirsty that you can open a twist-off bottle by just flicking it with your thumb, and you take a couple steep gulps of that bad boy, and all of a sudden you feel so much better. Okay, did I did everybody did everybody imagine what it was like to uh, to see that glistening bottle and to really want it as bad as Daniel and I did the first time we saw this episode? Uh, I think they did. Uh, Don't worry, guys. I, I'll, we'll work on our guided meditation. Um, yeah, I want to do one next time. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Okay, we can do. 
We can make guided meditation. Uh, any either of us can invoke guided meditation at any time. Yes. Um, the only thing I would, can I, I'm, I'm just going to throw some creative or some uh, constructive feedback. Please here. do. The only thing I would have added is that at least for me, when I know I'm dehydrated or like I haven't, I'm like you know running around doing my thing, crusty boogies. I like I can I can feel my okay. mouth dry and I can feel my nose dry. I should talk more about how the dried boogers. out boogers in your nose feel. Okay. No exactly. You can you can feel that uh, acrid clawing of the crusty boogies in your nose. Wow. Okay. First of all, acrid is such a good word. Uh, I've been <laughs> reading. Soakiness. I've been reading a, a series like a fantasy novel series, um, and I love it because the magic system in this has the the there's like two types of magic. You know, there's like good magic and bad magic, basically. Mm-hmm. And the bad type. Basically, the characteristic thing of it is that it has an acrid smell to it that makes you feel like physically ill, which I think is a really cool little thing about like, like a weird thing about dark magic that you could have. You know, like in Harry Potter, it's just like, oh, they do mean things with dark magic, but you don't necessarily like know that you can't sense it like olfactory style. So I think that's yeah. No, I like that. Why does magic always have to be dichotomous? What, dry boogies, yeah. Why, but why does magic always have to be dichotomous? I don't fucking like. I get, I get light and dark, like classic standard trope. Ever since the, the history of storytelling, we have had these, and they blah blah blah. blah. Okay, I get it. Us versus them mentality. Blah blah blah. I want like libertarian magic. I want like magic that any asshole can use, and just to be an asshole. Like it's not good inherently or bad. It's like, oh, I kind of want to do something mean. Like, oh, I'm going to change that stoplight to uh, perpetually yellow, so everyone just has to slow down. They don't know when to go. Petey, it sounds like you need to play some D and D and use something in the wild magic category. Uh-huh. So wild magic in D and D, at least in some a lot of the like basic rule sets, is like every time you cast certain spells, you have to roll. And it's like one through a hundred. And so it's like, you basically can just, you just like roll a thing and then like some outcome happens based on your roll, but it can kind of be like a lot of different things. It's like Um, a wild card. Yeah. It's like a wild card. So it's kind of doesn't have, it's like, it's like chaotic neutral. Yes. That's exactly what I want. That's the exact magic I want. And for, for those of you who are listening, uh, we have both had sex. We're in fact not not virgins. Uh, Shockingly enough with... (laughs) And as you can tell, Daniel is the worst liar ever. <laughs> Who would sleep with us? Uh, well, for you, Pamela Henderson. For me, Henderson Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so anyway, Fry, Fry drinks this uh, crispy cold bottle of water uh, and some guards come up and he thinks, oh no, I'm in trouble. Mm-hmm. I just And they tell him, you just drank something very important. And Petey, who did, what did he drink? You or just shall drink. I say who? Uh, yes, uh, you just drank our emperor. But if you didn't notice, guard number one when he first talks is Billy West's voice, and he's doing mm-hmm. Nixon. I, I noticed that exactly. Did you catch on like, that one too? Okay, yeah, good, yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, that sounds exactly like the Nixon voice. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. So basically, Fry finds out that because he drank the emperor, he now becomes the de facto emperor of this planet, um, and he's sort of like just stumbling through all the different things, you know, they're like, okay, now you need to like pick a prime minister who, by the way, the prime minister is like very clearly like a droopy dog reference. Cause yes. at one point he goes, Oh no. Oh boy. Oh boy. I'm so depressed. <laughs> oh boy. I've been diagnosed with chlamydia. 
<laughs> sexually active droopy dog, sexually irresponsible droopy dog is. Uh, that puppy said she was eighteen months. Oh god! Oh god! <laughs> I'm ending this transmission. Okay. Okay. Um. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So Fry, Fry has to like uh, learn about the history and culture of this water world. Um. And As one thing Bender to his prime minister, the person who knows nothing about. Oh right, him. just because he's friends with Bender, uh, he's like, I've always <laughs> wanted to be a prime minister. Um, but one thing I started thinking about is like, okay, so all these people are like made out of water, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I'm sort of, I have, I have a question to pose for, to you, PD. Mm-hmm. Yes. Do they piss? Pause it away. Uh, that is actually good, a good question because I was thinking about the physiology of these beings as well. Are they solid? Are they liquid? Or do they have a like slight like film on the outside? Gelatinous. I was thinking that maybe perhaps they develop a slight film due to the yeah, like a cell crystal. wall or something. Yes, because like you can see, like we're looking at a screenshot right now. Uh, you can see fries like getting these things, but they're holding on to the spears, holding on to this fan. One has a. Uh, like I would say, uh, Persian type uh, face covering looks like from like the year one thousand or something. Where she feeds grapes. Like they can clearly wear clothing. Right, their and, surface and engine is enough things. to hold solid objects like a like a fan or some grapes or a hat and yeah. wear some types of clothing. But they clearly don't have like they don't have visible sex organs like we do, um, even though they do have Which faces. Also- I always wondered, I was like, I wonder if they bang, cause like you can see like those, there's a, 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 a staging scene where there's two and they're drinking a straw of each other. And I'm like, are those trisolians right. banging in front of everyone? Is that like, they're just fingering each other essentially. Or we're fingering, but we know that there are lots of sexual hangups in trisol because the guy who appoints Pri- or who tells Fry that he's emperor, brings him fry to the harem and he says, I didn't know you're into that. Or like, you know, oh, right. Yeah. They, they clearly have sexual taboos. Sexual yeah, exactly. So they're clearly sexual taboos. So I don't think they're fingering each other, but how else would these trisolians bang? Are they just going to like, uh, what's the opposite of osmosis? Notsmosis. They like squirt back together. Sharon. Moses. Fusion. Ha. I was going to, do, uh, do you, do you see that connection? Sharon. Moses. Oz. What about Kelly. Moses. <laughs> there you go. Jack. Moses. <laughs> Um, I can't believe you knew Jack. I was racking my brain for the kids' names. Um, but yeah, so I do love though that when they're going through, um, basically they learn that Fry learns that he has to give this like really long memorized speech in order to become the emperor as sort of this part of the ceremony to officially make him the emperor. And if he if he doesn't execute it perfectly by memory, they'll kill him. And Leela's mm-hmm. trying to explain to him like. Fry, like, this is a big deal because, like, if you look at all these emperors, they all, their average, like, span as an emperor, reign as an emperor is only a week because they keep getting assassinated because of this mm-hmm. rule that if you assassinate or drink the previous emperor, then you become one. Um, mm-hmm. Which I love the bit in the hallway where Leela's showing, they're walking through this, like, sort of hallway of, of paintings of the previous emperors. Um, and they've already added Fry, but there's a, a painting where there's like two eye holes cut out and you can see that like someone's watching him and they sort of like open a little slot and a straw comes out to the back of Fry's neck and he like tries to drink him basically. <laughs> He's like, hey. he just slots it away like a, like a fly. Uh, yeah, but the funny thing is like, you think you think about this, like what a fucking ridiculous type, like style of governance and government. Like, yeah, how unstable. No, this is how it was for like, 
1500 years and almost all monarchies like if you coup the king and you take over the king's position you should kill the king think about the thousands of years before like larger even larger societies like uh like ancient greece mesopotamia yeah i mean like anything that's like any type of structure that has like more than a certain number of people it's like if you took over with power then like that's you're now the leader I mean, like, even up to, like, the 1800s and, like, late 1800s in Europe, this was happening. Like, think about, like, Catherine the Great. Granted, that was, like, 1730 or 20, something like that. But, like, you know, th- this is this is not a bizarre, like, one-off. This is not the alien part. Came up with it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This is not this the is alien the, part of this planet. It's a very um, human uh, concept, yes. But what I did love when Fry is giving the... Um, Oh, actually, sorry. First of all, I do want to say one thing just to re- rewind real quick. So it turns out that the package that they're delivering is essentially a bumper sticker that says, please don't drink me. So it's like, <laughs> you know, basically the joke is that Fry, if he had seen it beforehand, he would not drink the Emperor, but he did anyway. Um, but there's like all these signs next to the throne, like on a couple of the columns, and they all are basically bumper stickers. So in my mind, this is a world with like royal bumper stickers, which I think is like a very fun way for each emperor to sort of like express themselves. Just the way you would to be like, let me put the like coexist bumper sticker on my Subaru or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) On my 1996 Honda Odyssey. So there's like... (laughs) (laughs) Did I get you there? (laughs) Um, Sorry, I sort of choked on my own uh, self. You're on the but yeah, basically, I just like the idea that there's sort of cheeky little bumper stickers that are sitting next to like the royal throne of like the planet's emperor. But like, what would they be like? Honk if you agree with the hydro policy of Zorgalax. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, they don't necessarily need to be political, but I like the style of like, hey, like, uh, no sand in here, please. Or I don't know, I'm trying to think of like a mom thing. <laughs> Wash your am- uh, amoebic, amorphous, wet tail before you step on this red carpet, pal. Um, clearly, we should not be hired to write these royal bumper <laughs> stickers for Trisol. But anyway, so so Fry is uh, giving the speech to uh, everybody, and he's like talking about the lineage of all the who drank who kind of of every member- emperor. And I wanted to give a special shout out. Because I feel uh, the person, the the emperor that I think I identify with the most is Throm the Chunky. <laughs> it was turned into a soup. But wait a minute, is he chunky as in his body type, or is he chunky as in like the viscosity of his liquids? Well, or it sounds like, like he's. Texture? It sounds like he's literally got chunks in him, and that's why whoever oh. his assassin was ate him as a soup. Uh-huh. Which just makes me think of uh, Poike Pack. Liquid chunky soup. Oh, liquid chunky soup. <laughs> what? Another banger. Two thousand six YouTube. Yeah, if you guys, uh, one of the OG uh, like good YouTube channels, Poik Pack. I'm sure they still have stuff up. Also, holy fuck, that was fourteen years ago. That was I like two thousand six. That is Jeremy Lin saying, "Crumbleable, if you will." Truly. Oh, so the other thing I wanted to mention to also rewind here uh, is. Leela is pissed off at Fry throughout this entire process because he's so gung-ho and uh, he makes no thought or puts no thought into what he does. And Fry mentions that he's 25 years old. 
Uh, right. If you can't tell, listeners, I'm shakily taking my glasses off in pure rage and anger that I am five years older than Fry was, and I used to think he was such a fucking adult. And now I'm old as mold. Well, we were also, we are, I think, Petey, we're on record as at the beginning of the season saying we think they're like 28 or 30. We thought they were 30, yeah. Like late 20s, early 30s. I always thought it was like 30, 32. Uh, We can go back and check the rack, but... Um, but I mean, you listeners tell us, I'm pretty sure that, yeah, basically. So uh, you, uh, you heard it here first. We're admitting that we're wrong, wrong, and, we were wrong. wrong and sorry about it. I'll, I'll but... borrow a phrase that Matt Gorley uses on, um, his James Bond podcast, James Bonding. Shout out to Matt Gorley and Matt Shout Myra. Matt Gorley. Um, they are, they are lovers, not experts of the James Bond franchise. And I would say that oh. that's what we are. We are lovers of Futurama, not necessarily experts. Yeah. So we've got the passion, but every once in a while, the facts aren't going to be there. You know what I'm saying? Um, but not to say that we don't do our own research. We do do research. Um, do do, but we will admit <laughs> when we're wrong. So I think that's an important yes. character. You know, I prefer to call mine. We, we like search, to, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> She search. <laughs> Did you send her a she mail? <laughs> <laughs> also, future on a reference from season six or seven, I believe. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> um, so continue, continue, continue. Oh, so I do. I I'm, I I think I my last kind of thing that I really wanted to call out for this episode, uh, outside of a couple of Zoidberg things, were that um, Fry has this when. Original, like, there's a to Daniel's point about Leela being mad at Fry. Uh, the kind of climax of her being mad at him, like, before she sort of like runs off and it's like, I don't want to talk to you anymore, is mm-hmm. Fry makes like this really condescending but inaccurate analogy about he's basically trying to talk oh, about the yeah, he's trying to make that analogy about like the squirrel <laughs> that prepares for winter and the grasshopper that doesn't, but he mixes up the analogies such that he says. It's like the grasshopper and the octopus. And he basically says that the grasshopper gathers nuts and is like very diligent. And the <laughs> octopus uh, just sort of mooches off his girlfriend. Um, and he's basically trying to tell Lila, like, you should be, I'm like the octopus, I'm chill, and I just kind of take things as they go. And you should be more like the octopus too. Um, but he says something like, fine, Lila, like, go and get your nuts, you grasshopper. But I just <laughs> like the idea that like a grasshopper is like, sustenance is nuts <laughs> like acorns and stuff <laughs> that also reminds me of the classic from uh elementary school i hate mrs roji and her stinky apples <laughs> <laughs> there was a gentleman in our mrs. class in, in, in elementary school who apparently hated mrs roji and i don't know why but <laughs> he just said i hate mrs roji and her stinky apples and that quote has lived in my head rent-free for 22 years. <laughs> I have not – I forgot about Mrs. Roji. She was one that I haven't, like, was, cataloged as much as, like, some of the other uh, Hall of Christian Famers. Caldwell. Mrs. Caldwell. Mrs. Gallagher from sixth grade. The only, oh, God. The, okay, for the, for the record, the only truly <laughs> straight thoughts that Daniel has ever had were for student teachers when we were in elementary school. That is 100% accurate. Mrs. Roji and, and Mrs. Caldwell were both crushes of Daniel's. They were Mrs. Like, Roji was not. Mrs. Gallagher was. Miss Gallagher and Miss Roji were. 
And yeah, no, was, God damn it, not Miss Roji. Miss, yeah, Miss Roji uh, was because Miss Roji preceded Caldwell, right? Christian Huffer was Miss Roji. He was. Oh, the okay. He okay, was the okay. one who, in the, in the swimming pool, swam behind me, which probably this is out of this is like in like 2006, so appropriate context. Grabbed my titties and <laughs> proceeded to use his knee to smash into my butt and said, oh, "That's what I want to do to Mrs. Roji." <laughs> Like oh fourth God. grade, who does these things? Fourth grade, that would have been like 2002, <laughs> not 2006. Oh, that's yeah, that's right. Actually, we old. Oh, um, God. All right, all right. We got. We got so, okay, yeah, yeah. so we're we're getting to the end of the episode. Basically, um, it turns out that the emperor's not dead, and he's just in Fry's belly. Um, and so instead of their, the, instead of the water people sort of killing Fry, he tries to cry out the emperor. Um, and the only solution is to sort of patch things up with Leela. Um, and Leela basically comes back and like just starts slapping Fry and like beating him up and everybody starts hurting him so that he can cry out the, the emperor. Um, mm-hmm. and I do love that when they all start like slapping and hitting him and like Zoidberg pinches him and. Bender gives him this like cigar burn, which by the way would fucking hurt way more than any of the other like, things that they're doing. Oh yeah. But I love it because there's a moment where Fry is like Bender's behind Fry and the camera is such that it's like above waist height. But you mm-hmm. can Fry sort of turns around and is like, hey Bender, that's a sensitive area. Like that's like a tender area. And then you see that like Bender sort of takes the cigar back. So Bend- it's sort of implied that like Bender burnt Fry's asshole with like <laughs> that, with the cigar. <laughs> This is yet another Bender camera uh, positioning gag. Yes. Like, they're definitely relying heavily on this throughout the first season, but I do love that that idea. Like, uh, Bender is like Bill Clintoning Fry's <laughs> asshole with a lit cigar. But it's just like so much more uh, extreme than every other thing that. And they, then we have this whole we doing. have that whole trope of Zoidberg, like, that's why the bones. I always forget about the bones. Like Yeah, another reference of Zoidberg not really understanding the human anatomy very well. Yeah, exactly. And uh the they bring that giant nineties juicer out when they're like Fry's trying to cry out the Emperor because otherwise he's gonna get murdered. Yeah, otherwise and they're gonna they kill bring him. that like they bring that like '90s, very sad plastic-looking juicer out to, to, to the kind to that kill it him. looks like it's like browned from being in the sun, but that's just like the base <laughs> yeah. that everybody likes at that time. That is like 100% in every one of your grandmother's corner uh-huh. cabinet, rotating uh-huh. corner cabinets. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Don't you dare <laughs> say what that actually is. Willie's mother's name is spelled S U S A N, and she's she not lazy. She's working. So we don't we don't use those words in this house. So if anybody talks about a rotating corner cabinet as a lazy S, <laughs> I will come for you. I will find you. A lazy S. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, oh, I think we need to we need to wrap up this epi. Um, yeah, let's wrap it up. Uh, so, how many bottles of Emperor are you gonna give it? Ooh, nice one. I'm gonna uh, give this one. I'm gonna give it a two. Whoa! I Gosh, I think really? okay, and I'll say this. I'll fully admit this. Today was a rough day, um, so I was not in the best mood when I started uh, okay. watching this one to, for my notes. Um, so I'll admit that that might have come into play a bit. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm gonna give it a two out of five. I think it's nice to to meet like Elzar, and I do think that there are some fun things about like the water people. Um, but overall, it's like. I think some of the some of the one-off kind of jokes are 
not the best out of Futurama generally. Yes, the Zoidberg. Zoidberg has like a good one line, like "We're in hot butter." I was. Like, I do. Oh, I did write that one down. I did like that one. Yeah. Which they could also use "We're in hot water" because you boil lobsters as well. So that's <laughs> it makes true. sense. But um, yeah, okay. I think that two is fair. I'm gonna give it a, a two and a half. I'm gonna be a little more gracious. Wow, this is the one. first time you've scored higher than me. I think. I know. I know. You're the, I, you're the Simon Cowell of this podcast. I really am, uh, and and you do uh, look just as tired. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I feel like I every I Simon Cowell, every Simon Cowell photo, he looks like he's been up for two days. <laughs> Maybe that's why he's so cranky. He just needs a little nappy poo. Hey, hey. I can't blame you. Too, so. But yeah, I mean that's a fair. That's two point two five out of five average. So like, I mean, I think that's an absolutely fair for this one. It's, it's. I'll be honest. It's a throwaway episode. Exactly. Throwaway episode. It was good. It was it was really good. It was fun to show the different planet in the first season, show how they can go on these adventures. It was a great setup episode for the first season to have. Other than that, it's a yeah, we get to see another planet, which I think is always fun. Um mm-hmm. one thing that I do enjoy about this as a sort of parting thought is that um they really look like I like how Futurama really leans into the trope of like the blank planet. Like they're always like um Oh, this is the water planet, or like this the is slug the planet. yeah, exactly. And I like that that's like a sci-fi trope that they just kind of are like shamelessly will do, where it's mm-hmm. like, what would Earth be for that the dirt planet? Like the you know like the fat the planet, planet? Or like you know if they looked at Earth right now, like what would they call what would they call Earth? Like the polluted planet, you know like. Um, I feel like it would be like the like oh my god that also the polluted planet that they have the in, Indian accent workers on probably wouldn't fly today. <laughs> oh, definitely <laughs> not. Although it is sort of decent social commentary about yeah fair. global capitalism, we, but I see your point. Yeah, doing shameless uh, Indian accents that I don't know how many of those voice actors were Indian is maybe questionable. As, as well as saying that it's like the most polluted, disgusting planet on the on the in the galaxy. Uh, no, I feel like we would be like the, like the hairless monkey planet. Like it's like, it's, okay. it's usually that's mainly about the inhabitants. No, no, no. I take that back. Fuck it. We'd be the water planet. We're yeah. We are, water. Sur- we are covering water or like the misty planet, the, the foggy planet because of the clouds. Misty planet is such a good stripper name. Hi, I'm Misty, I'm misty planet. planet. If I was in like a space station <laughs> strip club, if I was employed in one, I would definitely go by misty planet. Ooh, what would my name Ooh. be? Okay, and here's okay. QB Planet, probably. Your name would be um Oh, you know what? You could be the uh the gas giant. <laughs> that was more flattering than I actually thought. Okay guys, I have to come clean um because I stole that joke from a pair of joke boxers that my girlfriend got me for Christmas uh because I fart a lot and it says it's like a picture on the butt, it's like Saturn illustrated and then it says gas giant on it. Uh so I did steal that, so I apologize. Oh, um so trivia. Do you have any do you have any questions? So I do have a quick I do have a quick trivia. Um, All right. I have okay, a feeling so this is going to be hard. In this episode... That's what, that's what you said. I, don't, I think you'll get this one. I'm confident. You've been pretty good at this. Okay. In this episode, who has an outfit switch-up? Leela. Her tank top is bright or yeah, lime green, and Bender says, I wouldn't take advice from someone it. wearing a lime green tank easy. top. <laughs> uh, this one's very hard. 
who is, how am I going to phrase this? So when we're meeting the Slavic dirty dealer, uh -huh. organ dealer, we also meet another ne'er-do-well that recurs on the show. Can you tell me what or who he is? How much do we meet him? We see him f three or four times throughout the series. Or, but in the yeah. in the interaction in this episode, uh, we see him once during the setup of Little Neptune. This is a toughie. This is this is, and, th and I'm not wording it well either. So I'm going to give you a lot of leeway on this. Huh. I mean, I feel like. The thing that comes to mind, which I don't think is right, is like that the the guy at the counter who they're buying the meats from and stuff mm -hmm. is also the. It reminds me of the guy who sells the like human horn. Good thought. Good thought. Oh yeah, because he's because the lizard's like, hey, I run a smack yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Do you like that Good. guy? I do love him too. Good thought, but I, I'll give you a hint. He the other episode that I know he's in. I know he's in a couple others because he's again very ancillary. Not even ancillary. He's like used for a couple jokes. The other episode he's in is A Fish Full of Dollars from season eight. And he uh, is seen spending his 300 wing wings. Oh. And he, and he talks like a New Yorker like this. Oh, the guy who's like, like presumably some sort of like crack addict guy. <laughs> uh, but I don't remember him in this. I feel like because my in this episode, I'm not doubting you. I'm just saying like the other person mm. in the alley that I remember is just like the guy Fry says hi to after Leela's like, you got to be careful in this neighborhood. Uh, he's like, I grew up here. And he goes like, what up? And then like another oh, yeah, guy like, goes like, yo, or like, yo. his word. Yeah. Um, and that's yeah, like yeah. who I kept thinking of. Um, the same voice as Bubblegum Tate, which yes. I believe is Phil Lamar. Yes. Who does those. Uh, shout out Phil Lamar. Shout out Phil Lamar. We love you. One Hope you listen. pillars of uh, voice acting. Oh, absolutely. Samurai Jack. Not to mention he's in like, uh, 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 I think he's in Adventure Time. Like I've heard him in a bunch of shit. Yeah, he's in a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, okay, well, does that, so you, do you give me do you give me credit for that one? Uh, yes, you pass. He is putting a dollar bill in the crack machine. Ah, uh, okay. So it is the first time that we validate that he is a crack addict of some. Yeah. I do remember that trope of like it's a drug vending machine, or the joke of like it's a drug vending machine. Yes, and then in a fish full of dollars, he's, he's like, uh, he gets like the three hundred dollars. You, they make it seem like he's going to change and turn his life around. He's like, no more cheap crack houses for me. Right. He goes into like goes a classic crack, crack house. Yeah, the crack, it's mansion. A crack mansion. <laughs> the butler's like. Shall I warm sir's crack pipe? <laughs> <laughs> so, so clever to me. I love that. Well, PD, we are yeah. way over time for this episode. So apologies, listeners. We gave you a long one today. But uh, I think we, we had some fun. We had some goofs. We had some gags. We had some giggles. Time to make like a burrito and a wrap G's. up. Yeah. <laughs> 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 that took with me. Um, and not only because it was funny, but also because I then imagined a warm, a large warm tortilla wearing it as a blanket. Uh, oh. <laughs> so <laughs> everybody could just imagine. Why don't we end this episode with another guided meditation, okay? I love everybody it. Everybody sit down. Eyes closed. I'm going to impose. I'm going to put in some nice sort of uh, trancey sort of music. It's going to be floaty and beautiful. Okay. Wind chimes in there. So now imagine you have the largest microwave possible. And you, uh, you got a big plate, and you put a tortilla that's like a six-foot diameter tortilla in that plate, and you microwave it for 
I don't know, 15 or 20 seconds. It's turning in there. Oh, it's ready. The your warm tortilla is ready. You open up the microwave. It's a little. Oh, it's a little steamy. You carefully slide out that warm, steamy tortilla. You find a little comfy spot on your couch and you wrap that tortilla all around yourself. And oh yeah, your boogers are dry. <laughs> You proceed to wrap the warm tortilla around your shoulders. You were freezing cold, but now the steamy tortilla warms you to the bone. You turn to your, your shoulder and you give it a whiff. Mmm, it smells good. It wouldn't hurt to take a nibble. And scene. Um, so thank you for listening to another one of our guided meditations. As you can tell, I incorporated uh, feedback, so we're always we're always trying to improve here. We're always trying to improve. We're always trying to learn. And I was absolutely going to call you out on not not knowing my booger temperature and or texture. Well, after smelling, after the steam from the tortilla gets up in there, your boogies will become oh, moisturized, yeah. and then you'll be able to moisture than an have that relieving blowing of your nose. So. Love that. Okay, well, thank you guys so much for listening again. Um, this was season one, episode seven, My Three Sons. Next week, we're going to talk about season one, episode eight, A Big Piece of Garbage. Which was my nickname in high school. <laughs> anyway, guys, thanks for joining once again. Uh, As always. This, this is, uh, well, I think we're deciding that we're going to, we're changing the name from Welcome to the World of Tomorrow to The World of Tomorrow. I think, uh, it's never been really super decided, but I think that's the direction mm-hmm. we're going. It's a little bit uh, easier. So this has been The World of Tomorrow, a Futurama-centric podcast. And we'll see you next week. Toodles. <laughs>